Hey, 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 friends, and welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to A Walk with Friends, and it's me, your host, Marcella. So today we are actually jumping in to the book of Thessalonians, and I'd like to share a little bit of how God led me in to us starting this journey in this book. So you guys, I was praying and I asked the Lord about Paul. I was very interested about his ministry. I know that Paul has written a large chunk of the New Testament. So I asked the Lord if I could teach on Paul's ministry, not knowing much other than the fact that he wrote a large chunk of the New Testament. Didn't hear anything back from God in that time. I was just very excited to bring the study of Paul's ministry and his contribution to the New Testament to the podcast. So then, in the middle of the night one night, I had a desire to read Thessalonians. I never studied why the letters were written. And I open to the introduction of 1 Thessalonians, and it says, the first epistle of Paul, the apostle, to the Thessalonians. You guys, my mind was blown because I had recently just asked the Lord if I could teach and share about Paul, about his ministry, and here we are in Thessalonians, which is the first epistle of the Apostle Paul. If you guys have went through the book of Acts with me, you may remember chapter 16. Now, while I do read through these books, I don't remember every single detail. The more that I spend time in the word, the more that I make these contextual connections, the more my mind is blown away. And the more of what I already read becomes things that I know. So in chapter 16 in the book of Acts that we read together, by the way, I pray about what books we're going to be reading together. So it is so intentional the way God guides us through this process. I want to read to you guys Acts 16, which I had no recollection of going into this next podcast Bible reading. Let's read it. So verse 6, and remember that the author of this is Luke. He's writing Acts 16, verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They, possibly meaning Silas and Paul, but definitely Paul. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. I'm going to stop there. What blew my mind, you guys, is that I'm having this prayer time with the Lord, asking him about Paul, asking him about, can I teach and preach? I want to learn more about Paul. What did he do after he got saved in the book of Acts? Well, I didn't know this, but God did because God is the one that gave him this vision. Mind blown. I'm telling you guys, I did not remember this at all, but let's read this. A man of Macedonia in the vision stood and pleaded with him saying come over to macedonia and help us now after he had seen the vision immediately we sought to go to macedonia concluding that the lord had called us to preach the gospel to them and if you guys don't know 
Thessalonica was a thriving port of wealth and trade in the Roman Empire. It was the capital and the largest city of the province of Macedonia. So the same God that gave Paul this vision of going to Macedonia to spread and preach the gospel is the same God that spoke to me and said, Thessalonians, that's the book you're reading next, and is the same God that answered my prayer about learning about Paul's ministry because he knows that he sent Paul to Macedonia as one of the first places that he was going to go evangelize. You guys, I mean, come on. Um, You guys know me, like real life, like I didn't know all of this. That is just how God speaks to us and guides us and leads us and talks to us. It's just a testimony of how he really truly does that. So I hope you guys are excited. We're jumping into Thessalonians. I want to do a little bit of a Bible study, so I will actually do that now and then I'll put a time mark on this episode if you want to just jump into the chapter. But let's get a little bit of some background about the book of Thessalonians, which are actually, now we know, our epistles, letters to a church from Paul. As we know in the book of Acts in chapter 16 now, there were specific routes and paths that were being closed by the Holy Spirit. So Paul actually headed to share the gospel in only one direction that was left open to him, which was northwest, until he could go no further. And then, as we just read, a vision appeared to Paul at night, the man of Macedonia. And they confirmed it to be the Lord calling them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. So now Paul's traveling with Silas, and they land in Europe. They eventually get to Thessalonica, which is now known as Thessaloniki today. Thessalonica became a base for the spread of the gospel in Macedonia and Greece. So Paul preached there for three Sabbaths in the Jewish synagogue. Remember that Paul was at one time a Jewish Pharisee, but now he is saved and preaching Jesus, and he's teaching for three Sabbaths, which is approximately a month in the Jewish synagogue. And that is how he started the Thessalonian church. Many Jews and God-fearing Greeks believed in Jesus, but some Jews who rejected Paul's message were envious, and they actually hired people to attack Paul. So right away, Paul faces persecution. Consequently, Paul and Silas considered it best to leave Thessalonica to the next town called Berea, And they had really good reception there, but the Jews from Thessalonica heard of what they were doing and then followed and stirred up even more opposition, moving Paul alone to Athens. After a brief while in Athens, Paul travels south to Corinth, where he was joined by Silas and Timothy. But Paul sent Timothy back north to Thessalonica in concern of the welfare of that new church, and he wanted to see how they were doing. After a brief encouraging ministry of Thessalonica, Timothy rejoined Paul in Corinth, bringing good report of the faith of Thessalonica, even under persecution. And so Paul begins to write these letters to address the questions that they had about their faith in these letters. First Thessalonians gives us an intimate introduction to how Paul mentored young believers. Paul reviewed some of the basics of the faith and applies these truths to the believers' lives. He challenges them to persevere in godly living despite persecution. And he extended comfort in the resurrection to those who were in mourning 
and he spoke about details of the second coming. In addition, Paul responded to the angry attacks of his Jewish opponents, who were jealous because Christians were drawing God-fearing Gentiles away from the local synagogue. Paul's opponents may have charged that his failure to return to Thessalonica proved that he was actually insincere. But Paul devoted the first three chapters of this letter to correcting that false impression. Not only does Paul encourage the Thessalonians, but he also motivates their faithfulness by alluding to the second coming. Jesus is pictured in this letter as the believer's hope of salvation, both now and when he returns to earth. In the meantime, Paul reminds them and us that Jesus is committed to our spiritual growth. As he says in chapter 3, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love. Even maturing Christians like these in Thessalonica need help in that regard. Thessalonica had a sizable Jewish population, and the ethical monotheism of the Jewish religion attracted many Gentiles who had become disenchanted with Greek paganism. Most of the Thessalonian converts were Gentiles who came out of idolatry. In the beginning of this letter, Paul follows the customary form of ancient letters, giving the writer first, the destination second, and a brief greeting third. Paul mentions Silvanus, which is actually Silas's Roman name. First Thessalonians, New King James Version. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you and for your sake, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and await for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, a familiar term meaning any gathering or assembly. In its New Testament usage, this common Greek word calls to mind the relationship of believers to one another and to Christ. Note that Paul addresses the believers at Thessalonica as a body, not as individual believers. And the expression, grace to you and peace, though similar to common salutations, eloquently expresses the main concepts of the Christian faith. The word grace means unmerited favor and blessing. 
the word peace describes the relationship Christians have with God and should cultivate with other people. The order of the two terms in the greeting is always maintained in the New Testament, since God's grace is the only basis for His people's peace. Continuing the pattern of the Jerusalem church in prayer, these early church planters, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, gave themselves to prayer as well as to preaching the gospel, as said in Acts 6. As in other cities, they had suffered labor pains in giving birth to the church at Thessalonica, and the infant church at Thessalonica was deeply ingrained in their hearts. The faith of the believers at Thessalonica had produced true repentance. When they turned to God, they turned away from idols. Note that Paul views the Thessalonians' repentance as a result of their faith, not vice versa. The labor of love that Paul refers to is the Thessalonians' love for Christ resulting in their serving in the midst of persecution. Note the contrast between work and labor. Whereas work may be pleasant and stimulating, labor often involves strenuous effort to the point of fatigue and even exhaustion. Patience of hope. The believers at Thessalonica fixed their hope solidly on the return of Jesus Christ. Notice that each of the virtues has Christ as its object. Jesus is constantly the focus. This is a good standard for evaluating any Christian service. Does it glorify God? Paul lists the indisputable proof of their election by God, their joyful response to the gospel, their strong faith, and their progress in holiness. For three weeks, he had reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. This message of a crucified Christ was far different from the messianic expectations that Paul knew from his own training as a Pharisee. The Jews of that day were not looking for a suffering savior, but a conquering champion. Thus, Paul had to demonstrate from the Old Testament scripture that the prophets had foretold the suffering, death, and resurrection of the Messiah. When Paul says followers of us and the Lord, everyone needs teachers, especially new converts. All the writers of the New Testament lead their readers back to the footprints of Christ as shown in the Gospels. And this should be our goal also, to lead others to Christ by our own virtuous example. As we focus on Jesus, we will reflect his image to others. When Paul says to wait for God's Son, Paul hoped for the Lord's return to occur at any moment. The phrase, to wait, pictures an eager and expectant church looking forward to the return of our Lord Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Because Christ endured God's wrath at Calvary, all who are in Christ will escape all aspects of God's wrath. Thus, they have nothing to fear. Thank you guys for joining me for the Book of Thessalonians Bible Study. Be blessed and have a great day. I'll see you guys upcoming on Tuesday as we jump into chapter two.